Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 116 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about choosing the right sleeping mat. Now, your sleeping mat or pad, and these terms tend to be interchangeable here, can make the difference between a bad night's sleep and a great night's sleep. But it's not as easy as just grabbing the first mat you see or the colour you happen to like. There's a large range of brands and models on the market, uh, and choosing the right one can be confusing. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about providing a a bit of an overview to help you make the correct selection. And I think something to consider is that uh, when you do talk to some people, um, I know first off I got some great advice, which, you know, in hindsight probably wasn't that great, um, which was along the lines of, well, it really doesn't matter, Jill, which sleeping mat you choose after three days of not sleeping, you'll sleep anywhere. Um, and I can assure you, after three days of not sleeping, I will not sleep anywhere. <laughs> we're going to talk about the basics. And I suppose the first thing that we're going to look at is the types of sleeping mats. And really, there are three main types of sleeping mats on the market. And these are the foam pads. Uh, and if you think yoga mat, that's probably a good indication. Slightly Uh, thicker, like yoga mat. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) slightly thicker. Uh, These things have been around for quite a few years. Uh, They really are around about a centimetre, centimetre and a half um, uh, of just this hard compressed foam that provides a bit of protection and and padding for you. Um, The good thing with these type of mats is they're relatively cheap. Um, They're very durable. Um, and they will provide that protection against moisture uh, on the, uh, underneath your sleeping uh, bag and underneath you if you're not using a bag. The problem with this type of mat is that uh, while they are cheaper and more durable, uh, they're not necessarily the most comfortable things in the world. Uh, and for me, being a side sleeper, uh, where I'm lying on my side and I've got hip bones and shoulder bones digging into the ground, uh, there's a limit to how long I can actually stay on my side before I've got to roll over. I've got a Thermarest Z-Lite sole, and that's one of the kinds of sleeping mats that we're talking about here. Um, And I do find it good for um, short trips, so a couple of overnights. um, It's relatively easy to stick on the outside of your pack. It doesn't get in the way, but I wouldn't want to use it for a long-distance hike. Now, these were, the, these were the mats that were um, the first, if you like, uh, you know, apart from having blankets or bits of canvas that you used to lie on, um, these were the first real sleeping pads or sleeping mats available for the modern hiking industry. Now, the next type we're going to talk about is the self-inflating mats. Uh, these mats are, uh, rely on having a bit of air in them uh, and basically you unroll them and then when you open the valve, air actually w- will flow into these mats by themselves, uh, providing a what amounts to a, um, a, a, a foam mat with a bit of air in them as well. Um, 
I have used one of these. I mean, when they first came out, uh, I it took me a little while to go through and buy one, but it was a big step forward from the uh, the, the state foam type mats. Uh, they were a, a very expensive mat at that time. Uh, the prices have certainly dropped now because there's other things that have taken over, uh, but they've made a big difference. Uh, but again, even from a point of view of being a side sleeper, uh, I still didn't find them as comfortable as I would have would like. Yeah, and and they tend to be a little bit heavier, um, a little bit bulkier as well. Um, I do like the idea of them uh, almost fully inflating by themselves. Um, that's always nice at the end of the day when you don't have to put too much effort into uh, inflating a mat. And even though they are a self-inflating mat, I always used to find that uh, when I do, or and I did use them, and I, and I will very occasionally wear them these days, uh, I'd always used to put a couple of breaths of air in there just to get a bit of extra cushioning for me. Yeah, it wasn't they, they weren't quite there if you left them to their own devices, were they? The third and final type of mat is the inflatable mat. And if you think in, uh, back to the old days or if you're a kid uh, of the old lilos. Uh, where, <laughs> Surfing with a lilo. <laughs> yeah, and that's really what they were. They're a material mat that you put air into. Uh, and I suppose the lilos really were the, the first type of, of mat. Uh, wonderful if you're car camping, very bulky, uh, not the sort of thing you'd really want to take camping. Um, but the uh, for, from a ca- from a hiking point of view, where you're carrying it in a pack all day, uh, the more modern mats uh, are very high tech, uh, much more uh, uh, lighter weight compared to the old lilo uh, uh, as that used to be around, um, and they are much more comfortable as well. So again, as I said, as a side sleeper, providing you're not going for the thinnest one you can find, um, it's actually quite comfortable to lie on the side. Um, you know, your hips and your shoulders aren't digging into the ground. And, and one of the things about um, all of the, the variations of the earlier mats is that um, there were varying degrees of comfort, but they didn't really think about insulating uh, properties and... Um, you know, the the conditions in which you were actually, you know, camping overnight. Now, Jill just mentioned insulation, uh, and certainly from a point of view of why do we actually use sleeping mats, uh, one is, which we've just talked about um, in relation to comfort, um, you know, if you are sleeping on dry, hard ground with no no padding underneath, you're not going to get a very good night's sleep. I was going to say, you're not sleeping, really. <laughs> or, or you're not going to sleep at all. Um <laughs> But the other reason is for insulation. Now, insulation um, is insulation from your body uh, to the ground. If you've ever lain on the ground, particularly when it's not the middle of summer, you'll notice that you start getting a bit cool after a while. Uh, and so if it is a colder part of the year and you're lying on, on um, a fairly cold ground, even if it might be grass, which might be nice and soft, you start getting cold quite quickly. Uh, as the uh, the soil actually draws heat out of your body. So in relation to insulation and sleeping mats, when you go into a store or uh, or look on an online store, you'll see a term that's often used, which is called R-value. Now, R-value is basically uh, a term that's used in relation to not just insulated sleeping mats, but also with housing insulation as well. Um, you know, if you for those of you in Australia, you'll go into a hardware store and buy 
bats that have uh, R4 or R5, and that's the degree of insulation that they have on them. And that this also applies to sleeping mats as well. Now, it can be a bit confusing, but the, the simplest way to think about uh, the R value is um, the lower the number, the less insulation that's going to be provided. The higher the number, the more insulation that you're actually getting out of a mat. So most sleeping mats that are on the market, uh, in Australia at least, will have an R value associated with them. Uh, in some overseas countries, particularly the US, uh, the R value is not as common or the way it's applied is not as common. Uh, and in fact, in the US, you'll get a lot of manufacturers who will apply their own R value and say, we think this matters, this particular value. Um, and it's a bit like comparing apples to oranges, uh, that they don't always do this accurately. So... In the States, the, over the last 12 to 18 months, they've come up with a new standard called the ASTM standard. Uh, and if you go to the written version of this podcast, we'll have links that talk about that. But what that does is it, it provides a testing process that uh, mats can be tested against. So it means you, you are testing a mat, one mat against another mat in an equal fashion. This has become a big thing in the States in particular uh, with companies such as REI, which is one of the big outdoor stores in the States, making the decision that from I think it's around about 2020 onwards, they will only be testing or only stocking mats that have been tested under this standard. And that way it means that when people go through and buy these mats, they know that, okay, I'm, I've got two mats here that are both R3 uh, and I know they're going to give me the same warmth. Now I need to look at the pricing and all the other features as well. Now the ASTM standard, as I said, allow, will allow consumers to uh, do an easy comparison between different brands and different models of mats. Now in relation to our values, it's a matter of deciding what you actually need in relation to warmth. And I was quite interested to find out that doing a bit of research for this podcast and this written article that the recommendation is for an R value around about the R 4.0 mark. Uh, and in, when I looked at this, I couldn't quite work out why. And they're basically saying that if you have a sleeping bag, which will also have a particular temperature rating on it, for that temperature rating to be accurate, the sleeping mat needs to be around about that R 4.0. And unsurprisingly enough, a lot of the high quality sleeping mats that are sold in Australia will have an R value of 3.8. So it's close to being four. So you know that your sleeping bag will actually, if it's a minus two degree sleeping bag, will actually keep you warm at minus two. If you put a sleeping bag that's a minus two degree bag and your R value of your mat is one, it's not going to keep you anywhere near as warm. So when you talk about uh, a sleep system, if you like, it's the mat, uh, it's the sleeping bag, it's what you're actually wearing at the same time. Uh, they're the main things equipment-wise that you've got control over. Yeah, and I think sometimes we think about these things in isolation rather than the, the package of things um, that go together. And, um, and I think with, uh, you know, if this becomes a little bit more... Um, popular in Australia in terms of 
setting a minimum standard, which is essentially what we're saying is 3.8, that will make it easier for um, hikers to work out what they really need on any one particular um, hiking uh, journey. So the recommendations from the um, the manufacturers are uh, for a summertime, so during the hot weather, you want an R value of round about R1 to R2.1. For spring or autumn, and then, and when we're talking about spring or autumn, we're talking about mid-spring to mid-autumn, not right at the, the – <laughs> Not the frosty. Not the frosty it's... part of the, the, those, those, those times of the year. They're talking about an R value of R2.1 to R3.3. Uh, and then for winter – uh, R3.3 to R5. In relation to a map with an R5, uh, there are mats available with that rating on the market or better. Um, but when you're talking about that sort of degree of warmth, you're probably going to be camping in snow uh, and that's where you're really going to need that rating. Um, but you know, for a, for a typical winter where you're not dealing with snow conditions, as I said, as we mentioned, an R three point three to that three point eight mark is going to keep you uh, pretty well looked after for the whole year. So you know, do you want a mat that's only going to do you for summertime, and then you'll have another mat that does you in winter? But if you don't camp in winter time, um, it may not be an issue. So these are all considerations to think of when choosing a mat. But in most cases, if you only want to buy one mat that's going to do you for most of the year uh, and you're not going to be uh, dealing with snow conditions, uh, look at an R, a mat with an R value of around about the 3.8 to 4 mark. Recently, we did a, a Facebook survey with our online community uh, just to see what people were using as far as their, their reasons for choosing sleep, particular sleeping mats and what they were actually using. And while some of them, some of the responses uh, didn't surprise me, a couple of them did. So not understandably, when we're doing a survey on sleeping mats, most people are saying they're going to be uh, overnight hiking. So uh, 48.6% of our respondents said they were hiking regularly uh, and camping overnight. Uh, and then 50.5% were camping occasionally, uh, and they were saying just a few percent of people. Uh, obviously, if you're not look, not looking at sleeping mats, you're not likely to be answering a, a question. <laughs> yeah, there. that's right. Uh, so, um, but at least this is a bit relation. of self selection happening. It, it is. Um, the next sort of thing that I asked is, what type of sleeper are you mainly? And this one did surprise me, um, and the, we came up with um, the biggest one being is the side sleepers, and they were fifty two percent of the respondents. So you're lying on your side, uh, and this is your most common form of, of sleep. The next one, which is where I sit in, um, I'm all over the place. So changing from back to front to side throughout the night, and that was just on 39%. Um, the next one, which really did surprise me, was 7.3% of sleepers uh, were uh, sleeping on their stomach. Uh, and that left around about 2% of people who were sleeping on their back. And this really did surprise me. I thought that, In okay. What way? Well, I think um, when you think about sleeping uh, when you're out camping, um, you're lying on your on your stomach uh, with a sleeping bag on the top of you. It just doesn't seem something that seems, seems a logical thing. Uh, <laughs> to you. To me, anyway. <laughs> Um, so, so as I said, it, you know, sleeping on my back. I, I don't. I do sleep on my back. I change to my side. I'll change to my other side. But yeah, you know, I, I, 
uh, while I do occasionally sleep on my stomach at home, it's not something that I ever do when I'm hiking. So as I said, it was a surprise to me. The next question we asked is, what is the main reason for your choice of sleeping mat? Uh, and certainly the, the big choice here was comfort, followed by weight and size when packed. Uh, R value was the third choice, uh, how warm it keeps you. Then followed equally by durability and cost. Um, size and use was the next one. Uh, and then the brand. So the brand really was the last choice. People really did rate comfort and features over the brand of the mat more than anything else. The question we'd ask after that is, what type of sleeping mat do you use? Uh, and this, to some extent, didn't surprise me, although there was a, a one response which, which did. So 76% of hikers who camp overnight uh, and responded to the survey, used an inflatable sleeping mat. Uh, and this probably matches in what I've seen people using when I've been out hiking. 19% uh, were using a self-inflating mat. This tends to be an older style mat. Uh, and as, as I said, I've gone from a stage of using a foam mat to using a self-inflating mat to using an inflating mat. And I think um, a lot of people who use self-inflating mats possibly are people who've had them for a while because they will last quite a while um, and just haven't bothered to upgrade to an inflatable mat. But if it works, it works, hey? It does. It does. And, and yeah, and the, one of the disadvantages with inflatable sleeping mats is you've got to look after them a bit more. If you put them onto sharp rocks, really they, you, you potentially have the risk of putting a hole in them. Um, I haven't had that issue. I've had my current mat for three years and haven't put a hole in it. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and patched it badly, but hey, you know, hasn't hasn't quite worked. But um, uh, five percent of people use the dedicated foam mat, and that that was I expected this to be the lowest one, but it did surprise me that it was as low as it was. That only five five and a half percent of people were using a uh, a, a foam mat. Uh, I would have thought more people would have been using this. But as I said, when I think about this, when I see people sleeping out on the trail, I don't really see that many people using uh, foam mats. It's not that common. The last question we ask people is the brand of sleeping mat. What were they using? Uh, and the big one was Thermarest at 32%. Uh, now, given that Thermarest for many years, owned this segment of the market. It's not unsurprising. Cedar Summit, which is an Australian company uh, who sells worldwide, uh, just over 29%. Funnily enough, the next uh, group of, or next brand that fit in here was Other, uh, then followed by Exped at 10%, Climate at 6.5%, Nemo at uh, 4.5%, uh, and Big Agnes at around about uh, 2.5%. So these were the main models that you'll find on the Australian market with, you know, in this case here, with basically 60% being taken up by the two large brands that are, are pretty much sold worldwide. Now, as we said, brand probably isn't important. It's more the features and the function is what people tend to look at. So then we looked at um, just recently the some of the newest sleeping mats that, that have come onto the market. And uh, uh, we've just, uh, in releasing this podcast, we went through and tested out a series of these mats. Uh, now, I won't specifically discuss brands here, uh, 
Um, but if you go through and have a look at the written version, we'll keep the up-to-date models of uh, uh, that have been released onto the market, uh, and they'll have the links to the full reviews as well. Um, and we'll be releasing those over the next week or so, and um, we'll also, after that, we'll be releasing some uh, video reviews of some of the sleeping mats as well for those who are into video reviews. Um, but as long as you're not too critical about our um, expertise on being videoed and uh, <laughs> talking talking and doing at the same time. <laughs> it was an entertaining experience. But suffice to say that really the, the technology on mats um, is, is, is changing quite dramatically. Um, and I suppose from my perspective, if someone were to ask me what my perfect sleeping mat is, uh, my response would be it costs very little, uh, it weighs almost nothing, it has an R value of 3.8 or greater, it's really durable and really comfortable and packs down to about the size of a tennis ball. Uh, and I think most people would agree that that would be a really good, perfect sleeping <laughs> mat. Yes, perfect. <laughs> uh, however, uh, that mat doesn't exist at the moment, uh, at least uh, not on the retail market. But given that where sleeping mats have come from in the last 10 to 20 years, it wouldn't surprise me that in another 10 to 20 years that this perfect mat exists. Uh, there are certainly good materials that are very durable, uh, that are very minimal in weight, but getting all of these things in one package is a really difficult thing to do. Given that the perfect sleeping mat doesn't exist at the moment, when it goes through to choosing a sleeping mat, it really does come down to individual need. Uh, there is no one right answer. Uh, and everyone will have uh, a particular choice, whether it be by brand or features that they'll want to go through. So in, in relation to features, um, there are two key ones which I'd probably recommend if you're looking at getting a new sleeping mat or your, or your first sleeping mat. The first one is comfort. Um, and again, what is comfortable is going to depend on your own individual definition. For me as a side sleeper, I need lots of cushioning underneath my hips uh, when I roll over. And and Jill will attest to this, I don't roll over, I flip. Uh, like a pancake. <laughs> so you know, I roll it, over. I'm a side <laughs> sleeper at times too. And I will just gently wander over to my side, but Tim will just flip and bounce everybody in all directions. Um, so having a good mat with lots of comfort really is going to make a big difference. The second criteria, as I said, is warmth. Uh, I don't typically camp in snow conditions. Uh, it, I do occasionally, but it's really rare. Um, but in most cases, I'm camping through wintertime. I'm camping in temperatures that are, are below zero when there's frost, have quite often heavy frosts. Um, so having a sleeping mat that's going to do me year-round is what I tend to look at. Yeah, and I find that even in warm conditions, um, I, I, I can um, feel I can feel the coolness coming up underneath me um, and uh, probably partly why I don't sleep on my back too much. Um, I just try to expose as little as I can to the, to the ground by sleeping on my side. So from a personal perspective, some people tend to be cold sleepers, some people are warm sleepers. So if you know you're a cold sleeper, you know you're going to be camping through most of the year in, in very cold conditions and you only want to have one mat, 
that's what you need to go through and buy, that mat that's going to last you the entire year. If you don't mind having two mats, you might have a, a really ultralight mat. And uh, as this podcast goes to air, the lightest mat on the market is around about 250 grams. Not really going to suit you for the middle of winter when in, in, in freezing cold conditions, uh, but certainly a wonderful summer mat. Um, but you know, in that case, you might have a really lightweight, uh, low R value mat for summertime, and you'll have a heavier weight, uh, more insulating mat with a higher R value for wintertime. So it, it is going to depend on whether you want to get away with one mat or two mats that are going to last you uh, throughout the year. From there, the other criteria that are going to come into this is things like the length and width of the mat. Uh, now, I'm roughly about 185 centimetres tall, uh, and I tend to buy a sleeping mat that's around about my height. Um, there are shorter mats. There are longer mats on the market, and a lot of the, uh, the, the mainstream brands will produce small versions or regular versions and long versions. Uh, some of them will either uh, even produce you know, a, a, a half-size versions that you can just sleep your torso on. Except when you're talking about women's mats and then they have regular and large. Yeah. I don't know why. Not um, long, but large. Uh, and typically women's mats, will. Uh, the reason they're sold as women's mats is they will often tend to be shorter. They tend to be wider at the waist. Uh, and they often will have, um, uh, sorry, the waist and the hips, uh, and they'll often tend to have a more uh, a bigger insulation as well. But just because a mat is labelled as a as a women's mat, it doesn't mean that guys can't use them. Uh, if you happen to be a slightly shorter guy, um, uh, I think if you just just want a bit bit more um, generosity around the middle, um, women's mats are a good option for you. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, just because a mat is labelled male, a man, or a unisex mat or a female uh, sleeping mat, it you know, don't rule it out just because it's being sold as a, as a women's mat. So the other criteria, you know, apart from the size and dimensions, uh, is the the cost. Um, you know, really, the probably one of the dearest mats on the market at the moment is around about the four hundred dollar mark. Uh, the cheaper mats, if you're looking at the foam mats, uh, are under $100. Um, but again, it comes down to a comfort level that, you know, your level of comfort is going to come in there. Uh, Colour uh, is going to be another thing you might want to choose. And then the weight of the mat itself. Um, you'll find usually that the heavier a mat is, the cheaper it tends to be as well. But not always the case. That's often a bit of a generalisation. So as we said Really what it comes down to is it needs to suit your style of hiking, your budget and your your features that you desire. Um, but otherwise, go through and lay on them is probably the best thing I can recommend. If, you know, if, you, if you've used a friend's map in the past and you know what it feels like, um, laying on them is probably the best way to try them out just to see what they're like. We hope this has been a bit of a, a basic introduction to sleeping mats for you. Um, there is a written version of this podcast which will have images of everything we've discussed uh, and also provide links to the uh, the new standard for R value for sleeping mats uh, and also take you through to reviews of sleeping mats that are that, that we've gone through and reviewed particularly the more uh, uh, the more modern ones just recently
Our next segment is our iTunes reviews, or possibly I should be saying our Apple podcast reviews. Uh, we haven't actually read these out for a while, so here's some of the more recent ones just to give you an idea about what people are saying about Australian Hiker. The first one from Nicolette and Neva uh, is Very Measured Calm Podcast. I really appreciate the valuable, well-thought-out information the hosts give. Thanks. The second from Seb News, Feeding the Urge. Great to have a podcast with quality Australian content. Gear reviews are excellent, and the Savage Duo cover a great range of topics, <laughs> all relating to Australian hiking. Perfect podcast to feed the urge to get outdoors. And the next uh, review is from Rock H Core. Informative. This is a great podcast with lots of different topics relating to hiking. Have learned a lot and is highly enjoyable. And Jeff Can One, new listener, new to you and loving the podcast and website. Great mix of info and interviews. Okay, so thanks for those great reviews. Uh, much appreciated. And remember, if you want to hear your review written out on the Australian Heidecker podcast, just get, go through on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate the feedback and um, it drives us to doing more and doing better. So thank you. All right, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed. Our next episode is in two weeks' time. Um, we we originally had planned to release around about 38 episodes a year. Uh, this year is a bit of a big year for us. We've got about 48 episodes going to air, so it's almost weekly, but not quite. Uh, so our next regular uh, podcast episode in two weeks' time is titled Zen and the Art of Hiking. Uh, and we're going to be looking about why people hike uh, and what they actually get out of hiking. This is a bit more of a cerebral podcast, I suppose. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, that's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.